Savior, you are fully alive. Uh, we don't pray to an ideology or an idea. We pray to a living Savior who actually walked this earth just like we do, and you went to the cross and died, and on the third day you were raised up from the dead, and you are now more alive than ever before. And because you are alive, we have hope. We have a living hope that someday we will share in your glory. Someday we'll be like you. Someday we'll see you face to face. That's an amazing thought, Savior. And you know, it does make a difference in how we live our lives now. Uh, we can endure. We can, we can continue, even though sometimes it's hard, because there's hope at the end. And not just at the end. There's hope now. You, you care about us now. You give us your spirit to dwell us now. And you love us now. And Lord Jesus, you are the one who sets people free. And from that, we, for that we love you. So You set people free from the guilt of their sin. You set people free from having to do the same stupid sins over and over and over again. You set people free from old uh, habits and stuff that just drag us down. You set us free from depression and sadness. Lord Jesus, you are worthy. You are worthy. And so we are honored to come today in your presence. I can't believe you allow us to come. I can't believe you allow us to be together like this, but we are. And for that, we're just deeply, deeply, deeply grateful. Father, and we will always pray for our brothers and sisters around the world who can't not do this legally in Afghanistan, in Iraq, in Iran, in Eritrea, in a gazillion places. Father, I also pray for those dear believers who are in Ukraine right now, whose life just got turned upside down. Father, I pray that you would please bring peace to that area. We do pray for Dennis and Vanilla, Father. Thank you they're here today. God, I pray you continue to bless their ministry. It's an amazing thing. How can we have a presence there in Liberia? We can. Uh, somehow you've allowed our paths to cross. And so, Father, for that, we're deeply grateful. And I pray for the ministry there, CRCA, that you would bless that ministry, continue to use those efforts, strengthen the hands, God, provide, I pray. And do great things for your glory there, I ask. Father, one more thing before we can go on. I still do pray for those who today have brought heavy things on their souls. God, I pray you would give them comfort, and I pray you would keep them. Uh, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning. You may be seated. It's just good to see you all here. Good seeing you. You know, it's a, it's a blast. And, I don't know. I still can't believe God lets us do this. We care for you. Jeanette just lost her daughter last week. Heavy things. Please pray for Jeanette. Care for her. You know, we love you. I can't believe we got to do this. Folks, I, I, I talk about this once a year, and so I want to talk about it today. Um, some of you have gone through what I've, what I've experienced here recently. Um, it's called the transfer, the great junk transfer. Um, my wife's father passed away in, in December-ish, kind of before Christmas time. And so now we're all about transferring his junk to our house. And then, yeah, exactly, you know, so now we've got all this stuff, right? And so he had stuff, man, that he had stuff. He, he was a gardener, so he had machines for the garden. He was a worker, so he had machines in the shop. He had a welder and he had saws and he had tools, and he had a house, and he had 
you know, and then, oh, and then he had bank accounts and he had like uh, bills to pay and he had like income taxes to, to take care of. So he and now us are taking care of stuff. And so many of you spend like a lot of time taking care of stuff. And it seems like the more you have, the more you have to manage and care for that stuff. And sometimes it's like, who's in charge here? You know, the stuff or me, you know? I mean, do I really need three sets of golf clubs? I don't know, kind of, maybe, or, you know, two table saws? I don't know, maybe. So anyway, God really cares about our stuff. And God has got a lot to say about the way we take care of our stuff, resources, junk, but important stuff that's been entrusted to kind of like our care. So that's my heart today. We do it every once a year, trying to remember and remind us about God. What do you have to say about whether or not we send the Amy's to go to Africa or whether or not we, we support the, the work in Africa? Father, what do you say about my stuff? So anyway, that's my deal. So a couple things. I'll review for most of you. I don't expect about a whole lot of stuff, but this is the first thing I want you to know about. Uh, the earth is mine. No, 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 no. The earth is the Lord's and all it contains. The world is the Lord's and, and those who dwell in it. In other words, all of our stuff that you've worked so hard to get and are working to keep, it's not yours. It's just not yours. And I don't care how much you have, you cannot take anything with you. It's all his. So that means that how many table saws you have, or microwave ovens you have, or 401ks you have, that stuff, or the talents that you have, the things that you can do, your, your intelligence, or your beauty, or your passion, or your time, or your monies, or your... It's all his. So some of, some of you just can't not go. If God calls you to do something, you just about have to because you are not yours. You are his too. We are like created for his glory, not for ours, not to get our mansion on a hill so, man, we can sit back and have a, you know, we're fat, dumb, and happy, and we can just sit back and be like, it, that's just not how it works. That's not God's intent. So then, so then what are we supposed to be like then? Okay, so this is 1 Corinthians uh, 4, and, and he's really talking about the mysteries of God here, but let a man regard us, that is the Apostle Paul, in this manner, as servants of Christ and, of, and stewards uh, of the mysteries of God. So here the topic is mysteries of God. So Jesus Christ came to set the sinners free. That's a mystery. And dwell inside the believer. That's a mystery the Old Testament saints did not know anything about. They didn't know. So Paul said, consider me this. I'm a steward of that message. Okay? In this case, moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found worthy. So now that's the interpretation. It's about the mysteries of God. But the application is this. If everything is his and not yours and not mine, then may it be that we be found to be 
stewards. A steward is one who works for the owner, who takes care of the owner's stuff, but is not the owner. His only concern is that we take care of the resources and stuff and say, how do I best please you, O owner? That's their deal. So with all the stuff you have, the question is not, is not I got to see a counselor so I can have more, so I'll have enough, so when I die. That's not the question. The question is, Father, what do you want me to do to honor you in the stuff you have given me? That's the question. Okay, so he's got a couple things in about that. Um, yeah, 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 okay. So one is, we're supposed to work. This is out of Proverbs, right? Go to the ant, <laughs> O sluggard. Uh, observe her ways and be wise, which have no chief, officer, or ruler, prepares her food in the summertime and gathers her provisions in the harvest, uh, Proverbs 6. So one of the things we should do to honor God, and this is kind of a new deal, and I say it kind of carefully because we've got some things going on here, is somehow we're supposed to earn stuff with our minds, with our hands, not because we're told to get to work, it's because, like the ant, she just knows that I'm supposed to work, that, and I'm supposed to work in the summertime because wintertime's coming, and so while I can, while I have strength, while I have abilities, I should work. I should. Okay, so now I'm saying this to dangerous people here, right? Because some of you don't know when to stop working. You're called workaholics. Some of you are married to workaholics, and, 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 and you just can't stop because somehow your work becomes you. And you are not a person who works. You are a worker, right? You're not a, not a person who does plumbing. That defines who you are. So you then are tasked with working as unto the Lord who does not call you to ignore your family or your friends to work. So you then are a steward of your time. And you know that if you work and work and work and work, at the end of your life, people won't say, yeah, you worked and worked and worked. It'll be about relationships, right? Workers sometimes lose relationships because they're just too busy. So you should work carefully. But on the other hand, there are increasing number of people, this is affecting now public policy in, in politics, who just can work, who have the capacity to work, but who will not work because they just don't want to. I know a person who, with, who is highly uh, educated and experienced and is living in someone else's bedroom. Then they have their own apartment. They can only afford a bedroom because they spend stuff, I don't know, and, and they, they, they won't apply. They will not work. Okay, that's not good stewardship. Got that? Either one. If you're a workaholic or if you don't work at all, that's not good stewardship. What's good stewardship? Be like the ant. He works at the right time. When God gives you strength and time, work. Work. When the sun goes down, if you can, stop working. But manage your work, which is before the fall. The work is not a curse. Adam took care of the garden before the fall. You know, make sure the garden is polite. You know. It's a good thing for us to work. It's hard for people who can't work but who they want to. Oh, it's hard, isn't it? They feel like they've lost their independence and stuff, right? So it's really important that we work when we can. Okay, 
so anyway, one is one thing we do when we can is we uh, we work. Uh, but two, um, I think this is out. Yeah, yeah, Genesis forty-one. Behold, this is uh, Joseph talking to Pharaoh. Behold, seven years of great abundance are coming. Your crops are in all the land of Egypt, and after them, seven years of famine will come, and all of the abundance will be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine will ravage the land. Uh, let Pharaoh then take actions to appoint an, an, an overseer in charge of the land, and let him exact a fifth, 20%, of the produce of the land in, of Egypt in the seven years of abundance. Why did I put that up here? Because sometimes you're supposed to save some stuff. This was a 20% tax that was put on while the land was good. When the land was not good, the tax was stopped. But we should then not only just work to earn stuff, we should also save stuff. So somehow in there, you should be able to pay yourself. You pay your other bills, somehow you should pay yourself. So I had a buddy who was in ministry who worked really, really hard. He was a, just a great guy. His health went kaflui. And he said, Al, what I have done, I, I respect this guy. He said, I have lived on my savings for the last months at least, maybe a couple years, until he got things worked out with his health. Somehow, there's wisdom in Joseph's words to Pharaoh, right? Somehow, who saw COVID coming? Somehow, we were able to save some stuff. So we weren't like too afraid because God allowed us to save during the good years. We should... I also know somebody who just can't save a nickel because there's just such cool, shiny, cool toys. I confess stuff. $100,000 for a pickup truck. Are you kidding me? You know, how shiny can it be? I don't know. I mean, there's, there's just, sometimes we should like to save stuff. It's not about how shiny or cool or pretty. It's sometimes like, um, and I won't, I won't go here, but uh, in Matthew 25, this is the, the parable of talents. Remember the whole parable of talent thing where, where uh, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like those who, when the owner went away, gave stuff to his stewards. Five talents, two talents. One, the one who had five said, five, Father, here, here, Master, here's five more. Yay, well done. One said, here's two, here's two more. Yay, well done. But the one who really, really messed it up was the one who said, I got a talent, but out of fear, I dug it in the ground, and I put it there, and, I, and, and, and Jesus said, that wicked servant. Father, I don't want to be called a wicked servant. What did he do wrong? <clears throat> he did not invest the master entrusted to him. You have to invest what the master has entrusted to you. You have to. So if God's giving you mechanical abilities, you work on cars for the glory of God. You don't have to, but you're not a good servant if you don't. If God's giving you some ability to teach, and you will not lead a small group ever, then don't call yourself a good servant. Good servants take what God's given them, personalities, abilities, uh, characteristics, to multiply for his Glory. In a little while, I'll stop talking. I promise. <laughs> What's good about that? <laughs> and so when I stop talking, 
some of you should start talking. Because you and I both know that there are some people in this congregation right now who are just pretty stinking alone. How about not here? How about you invest? You. It's risky. I don't know who you are. My name's Marvin. What's yours? Herkimer. Hi, Herkimer. You know, I, I don't know. All I know is I don't want Jesus to say of you, wicked servant. I gave you capacities and abilities. I wanted you to serve or teach or love or care or share. And because of your insecurities or your pride, you wouldn't. Now, he's really talking about Israel, the interpretation about Israel. I gave Israel all this stuff, and they would not believe in the Messiah. They took the law and the, and the, and the Old Testament stuff, and they buried it. What they had was taken away. They rejected their Messiah, and, and, and those who rejected the Messiah lost forever. <laughs> so, so, okay. So anyway, here's what I said so far. I can see it faster or slower. Which do you prefer? Here's what I've said so far. Uh, well, I've said that everything we have is God's, which makes us then stewards. I said there are some ways in which we should be good stewards. We should work hard to earn stuff as we can. We should save some stuff. We should invest some stuff. Um, but the other thing that Christians do really, really well, actually, is we just give stuff away. Um, and we should. We should just give a lot of stuff away. Why? Well, because it's not ours. And God says, it's mine, and I want it. You know, so like um, a firstborn among animals, which as a firstborn belongs to the Lord. Um, and I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. All the tithe, one just means tenth, of the land, of the sea of the land, or of the fruit of the tree is the Lord's. It's holy to the Lord. Now let's figure this out for a second. This guy's got ten head of cattle. And he's got one steer that's really, really good. And so he, he raised it from a calf. You know, he, he fed it. He got it kind of trained. He took care of it. And one day, when you know, it was ready to go, he took this, this cow that he had raised, brownie, <laughs> And they took Brownie to the temple, and then he put his hands on Brownie's head, and then the priest walked forward and took the knife, and he cut the, the cow's throat, and the priest took the animal from him as an offering to God. That is one-tenth of the man's herd. Why would he do that? It's God's. He asked for it. Hello, if I didn't give you everything, you got nothing. I gave you 10. I went back one. It's mine. So anyway, Christians know this really, really well. We give back to God because it's his, and he asks us to. So 100 years ago, we came and said, so look, New Testament does not demand this 10th thing. We recommend it. Always give a 10th. It's all his. This is an Old Testament pattern. It's a good pattern. Uh, tribe of Israel, 12 tribes of, of, of Israel, you know, one couldn't really have herds. Levi, he was like the priests and, and a bunch of priests. So the other 11 would kind of carry him and they needed, they needed him because he had them spiritually and he needed them to, to live. And so this mutual dependence type thing really worked out pretty slick. And, and so we give to God 
because it's his. Um, and, and, and it goes more than that. He says sometimes uh, in Leviticus 19, it says, I don't even want you to take care of the corners of your field. You know, if you're, if you're going out in your field, leave the corners. So people who can work can come and take care of and, and, and live and eat. But I want to take you to Exodus 35. Can we do that, please? Exodus 35. This is a fun passage. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. So page Exodus 35 in the Blue Bibles is on page 143. Okay. Moses assembled the whole Israel community and said to them, These are the things the Lord has commanded you to do. For six days work is to be done. On the seventh day shall be your holy day, a Sabbath of rest to the Lord. Whoever does not any who does any work on it must be put to death. Do not light a fire on any of your dwellings on the Sabbath day. Moses said to the whole Israelite community, This is what the Lord has commanded. From what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing is to bring the Lord an offering of gold or silver and bronze, blue, purple, scarlet yarn, fine linen, goat hair, ram skins, dyed red, and, and hides of sea cows, acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing of oil, and for the fragrant incense, and onyx stones, and other gems to be mounted unto the ephod and the breastplate. All who are skilled among you are to come, and everything the Lord has commanded, the tabernacle with its tent and its coverings, clasp, frames, crossbars, posts, the ark of its poles, the atonement cover. Um, it goes on and on and on and on and on. And over in verse uh, 20, then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence and everyone who was willing and whose heart moved in him came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work of the tent of meeting for all its service and for the sacred garments. And all who were willing, men and women alike, came and brought all gold jewelry. So in other words, folks, sometimes we give because God just demands it. But sometimes we give just because we want to. And look over uh, in chapter 36. Um, at one point he just says, uh, verse 3, they received from Moses all the offerings the Israelites had brought forth. Um, and the people continued to bring a free will offering. So all the skilled craftsmen who were doing all the work of the sanctuary left their work and said to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work of the Lord commanded to be done. Then Moses gave an order and said up, to, up this word throughout the camp, no man or woman is to make anything else. <laughs> we got enough. So in other words, we're supposed to give sometimes because God just requires it. And sometimes just because he wants it. Just because he wants it. I said this thing 30 years ago. I think I've been saying it every, every year or ever since. Because we just said, you ought to give People gave. We, this, this is like our third home. We started in, in, uh, in a, uh, the senior center down on 22. And then we went, we outgrew that. We went to Dayfo School, which is gone now, <clears throat> and tore it down. And then around the time of the tornado, we kind of moved out here to the Honda shop. And we said, please, just be faithful. Just be faithful. And people just were. And then we couldn't fit. Remember the whole thing? We couldn't fit out there? And so one Christmas Eve, I, I said to the people who were standing, I, I, I've got nothing for you. You have to go away on Christmas Eve. Like, uh. 
And then people said, let's, let's see if God will let us build here. And so all gave some. And we were able to build debt-free. We didn't have to go in and take a, we didn't have to go in and take a, a loan out. So all the monies we would have given to the, to the loan guys, we just didn't. We put into here. And now because we've been here, we're allowed to reach into Africa and, and Turkey uh, and, and, and North Carolina. And, and we're allowed to do all kinds of cool stuff that we didn't have to because faithful people brought their tithes and offerings to the Lord. And God has blessed faithfully for the last 32 years. Yay, God. Hey, Yay, God. To God be the glory. What an ingenious idea. And so I love this whole thing because I experienced it. Um, I remember being in seminary. For those of you who know all about seminary, you are really, really poor when you're in seminary. You spend a whole lot of money and you make nothing. <laughs> So I was I lived um, in a in a parsonage someone that someone gave me, uh, and I, I seminary was about an hour away. I was a, a part time pastor, and uh, um, so I was making nothing, you know. And and uh, uh, I had a car that someone gave me. Yes, I could drive. No, it was an old eighty eight. Oh, big car. I I lived in a house someone gave me, and I rode a car that someone gave me. I was trying to raise two kids, and, and my wife says to me, we're giving our 10%, aren't we? I'm like, are you serious? There's dollars and cents here. What are you, what are you thinking about? How about food? And, and she said, God will provide. And he has. He just has. I don't know how. At the right time, he just has. Folks, be faithful. Keep on being faithful. Keep on being stewards, not just of your resources, but of your talents, your abilities. You don't have to be everything. You just have to be something for the glory of God. What an ingenious idea. <laughs> But there are some things I have to, to tell you about. Go, if you would please, to 1 uh, Timothy 6. 1 Timothy 6 is way over in the New Testament. It's on page 1850, and you need to know about this. It's, uh, yeah, 1 Timothy chapter 6. Um, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Okay. Um, people who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. It's like, oh, man. So anyway, here's point two here. God cares about how you feel about your stuff. 
He doesn't just care about how you use your stuff. He cares about how you feel about it. He says, I just want you to be content. Will you finally be content? Is that enough? I like getting missions magazines and stuff. Probably you do as well. I got a compassion magazine, I don't know, years ago. I'll never get it, I hope. A lady was there wearing, I don't know, a blue dress, and she had on her arm a blanket. And big smile, great big smile. And the article said, this lady will always smile. If you see her, she's always smiling. And what you see in the picture is all she has to her name. She had a blue dress and a, and a drape type thing of her arm. She had enough. God just provided. We can love our stuff too much. The Bible says we're supposed to be content if we have food and clothing. So, there was a man in the Bible who knew clothing, but when he saw clothing, he saw clothing. His name was not Joe Studley, but it could have been. He could see it. He could value what was nice. And then he knew about the power of money. For him, power meant freedom and prestige. And he knew it. And so when God sent Achan out on a raiding party and said, burn everything, burn it all, because if you bring yourself into the camp, it'll pollute you. Just burn everything you see. He saw this incredible robe. And then he saw wedges of gold. He buried them. He took them and he buried them under his tent. He just wanted them so much. And so they went to Ai, the whole, the whole story, and Israel said a couple thousand people, and Israel got stomped. And Joshua was like, what happened to Israel? They got beat by a bunch of, like, nobody. On his face, and God said, get up, Joshua, get up. What, Father, what? We got stomped. You got sin in the camp. The sin was not immorality or idolatry directly. It was the greed for the love of money. So he said, bring the people. So Josh's like, folks, have some of you taken something that was under the ban? This is all Joshua chapter 7. Uh, and, and they said, he said, then they brought him by tribe. This one, this one, this one. Nope, they brought Judah's tribe. This is the one. And he still said, then they brought him by, 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 by groups in, under the tribe, and he watched this guy. He knew. He didn't say anything. They said, bring people by, by person. They said, Achan, are you the guy? He said, yeah. He said the same thing Eve said. I saw it. I really, really, really liked it. And I took it. And Joshua said, 36 men died because of your greed today. Greed always doesn't just hurt you. Greed always hurts everybody. And then one of the most painful purgings I've ever seen 
Achan lost his life that day he was stoned. His bride was stoned. His children were stoned. And they put great heaps of rocks on top of them. Don't love your stuff. Your heart only matters to God. Can you be content with what you have? And one final verse, which I know you know about. It's a Second Corinthians chapter 9. You knew I was going to get there. Um, it's just a blast. I'm on page 1803. You can go if you want. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Every man should give what he or she has decided in their own hearts to give. Not reluctantly or under some compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God cares about your heart. And then God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Folks, God loves it when you give you out of a cheerful you. So this is the lesson of sowing and reaping, right? You always sow. You always reap what you sow. If you're generous and kind and good and gracious, you'll be treated kindly, graciously, and generously. If you are miserly, if you are cantankerous, if you are stingy, you'll be dealt with as one who is miserly alone. All you have will be your stuff. So you always reap the same stuff. Reaping and sowing. When you, you always reap in a different season than when you sowed. You sow in the spring, you reap in the, in the fall. You will always reap at the end of your days what you sowed. If you're a workaholic now, you may not even know your family when you're ready to retire because you will reap in a different season. And you'll always reap more than you sow. Some of you have given faithfully to the Lord Jesus through this church, and now on your hands is a salvation message in Africa and Turkey and around. You had a part in that. You had a part in that whole, how cool is that? I don't know, you always reap more than you sow. It's like, way cool. Widows might give a little bit and God just blessed her like crazy. So anyway, here's the deal, guys. It's not our stuff. We're managers. Manage well. Not just because some preacher told you so, or you even read in the scriptures. Manage from a heart that's grateful and happy and content. Manage with joy as you give not only your stuff, but your talents, your heart, as you give you. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, what a... Thanks for talking so much about it. Lord Jesus, I know we didn't cover everything. I, I know, but God, thank you for those of us, for those here who've heard this a long time ago, <clears throat> and they've lived a life of generosity. They've lived a life of service. I can think of lots of people I can see right now who've done this forever. 
It's just who they've become. God, may they realize that rich harvest at the end of their lives. Those who have sown generously, God, may they experience that abundance you've talked about. May we celebrate as we hear cool things you've done around the world. And here, Father, thank you for entrusting us with so much. We're the richest country probably in the world. For those who've adopted, you know, kids overseas or kids here and engaged in people's lives, God, may we know that blessing. (laughs) You're an amazing God. We love you for this system where we give and you bless because it's your stuff. Make us good stewards, I pray, for your honor. That when people really evaluate, they will not say how wonderful we are, but they'll say their God must be wonderful because you are. We love you, O Christ, and pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Would you rise with us as we sing together? you are so good. We love you for all that you've done, all that you are, and that you've called us to yourselves. We are a blessed people. 
know how much we love you, Savior, by the way we honor you with our lives. Um, thank you for each one who's come now, God, and dismiss us with your blessing, I pray. May we live for you in faithful ways that make you smile. We love you and pray us in Christ's name. Amen.